Welcome to the Drama Therapy Collection podcast. This podcast is part of a series on drama therapy in prisons. All interviews are conducted by Cameron Afari, Elizabeth Malone, Lynn Baker-Newman, and Marianne Shrine. The Drama Therapy in Prisons Collection is an open access online oral history archive of recorded interviews with drama therapists who worked in carceral settings and formerly incarcerated individuals who participated in those programs. For more information about all hosts and guests, please visit the links in the podcast bio. Today's guest is Stephanie Wickman. Give us a personal intro of who you are, your educational background, and where you currently work. So I'm Stephanie Wickman. I am a registered drama therapist and clinical social worker. Um, I went to Portland State University here in Portland, Oregon area. And I have been uh, working in lots of different settings, mostly hospital settings, community-based settings, uh, and working with uh, people with eating disorders and body image type issues, um, LGBTQ communities, and also um, have worked with incarcerated individuals and those who have been released from prison. So that's a little bit about my background. And I also have a private practice that I opened in uh, the Southwest Washington area called Riverway Counseling. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I'm a, I'm a new mom, so that too. <laughs> Tell us about your work with the incarcerated and the unique context of it. What, how it started was actually was working with homeless youth. So it was one of my very first social work jobs and it was even before I had my degrees. And I, what I started noticing was that a lot of the, the teenagers I was working with were um, either had aged out of foster care or were in the juvenile justice system, which started my work in the working, uh, doing volunteer work within the juvenile justice system. And that sort of prompted my interest in what is this around incarceration. And that led to my work uh, working in prisons. And I've worked in um, two facilities, uh, Columbia River Correctional and Coffee Creek Correctional. So those are the two um, prisons that I've done my work in. What are your unique strengths and weaknesses in this setting? Well, I'm an improviser. So I think that that improv spirit comes really handy and comes in really handy because sometimes there's a lockdown or you show up and um, uh, you know you have to put stuff in your locker and you're like oh no I've got you know there's little things like I've got a wire bra and I've got to be careful of like these things you don't you don't really think about right so you have to be and then also it might be that um, if you have a group that you're doing and you see the same group of um, you know clients that sometimes they're not there because they're on other assignments, right? So you can't anticipate that everyone's always going to be coming in every time. So you have to, and then also just in terms of how people are doing, right? Based on um, what's going on with them and the context of their family outside or what's happening on the inside. And so you have to be really flexible and also, um, so I think that helps me for sure. And being playful is, is really a big asset, I think, that I have is just being really playful. Um, and also, I think some of the some of the challenges. I think when I first started, um, I just I wasn't as aware of my privilege. You know, I, I mean, I, I was, but I didn't really know how to articulate it as much. So coming in as a middle class white person, right? Um, I think that I, you know, of course, when I was, I, I would make I wouldn't say make mistakes, but I, I think I wasn't as aware of it in terms of coming in and really trusting that. Um, I needed to build trust and build rapport with people and really come in and name all of my privilege, including being out and being somebody who could leave every day. 
What do you hope to get out of doing drama therapy in prisons? It's, it's a, I have never, I mean, I've had people say, oh my gosh, that must be so scary to go in. And it's like, no, actually, it's some of the most gratifying work that I've ever done because everyone is so grateful and humble. And yes, you know, people are, you know, compliant in lots of ways, right? And sometimes there's a guard who's outside, right? And so it's a different kind of a context. However, the, the appreciation and the taking risks and uh, all of the things that uh, the clients are able to do with you are just are amazing. And the creativity, it's like everything, I mean, imagine having everything taken away and being in this environment. And so being able to um, just have a circle where we're clapping and laughing together or they're doing storytelling or um, they're creating their own monologues so they can tell their own story or tell a story through someone else's narrative and then sharing it with everybody. And you can see people going like, wow, wow, that was really good. When did you do that? Oh, you did it last night, you know, on a napkin. And so it's like being able to see people grow in this creative context and create and collaborate together. That's the other piece that is so important is this collaboration where we're working on a project and I say, and, and also it's sort of letting go of what my idea of the project is, that sort of ethnographic piece of, okay, this is my idea, but it can completely go away. And usually it does. It's like, no, we actually, this is actually the story we want to tell. And sometimes the administrators are like, well, you can't talk about drugs or sex or, right, sometimes they have lists of, I mean, I, it's been my experience, it might have changed, but sometimes they're like, you have to sort of, there are some nuances and ways to sort of work around some of the limitations of like drug talk, you know, that kind of thing. So there, there are limitations that way, but um, people are so creative in terms of the work. And um, it's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to watch the experience and to watch people really come into their own in that way in, in really hard circumstances. What attracted you to this kind of work? Um, I volunteered in the juvenile justice system doing drama. And then in graduate school, I had the opportunity to um, work with, they're called Women in Community Service, and they uh, help female-identified folks um, in terms of issues of poverty and looking at marginalization, and their work is a lot in, uh, in prisons, essentially. And so that was part of my capstone. Uh, but really, what really inspired me to continue this work was I actually had a friend who was a a student friend of mine and we worked together for quite a bit and she actually later shared with me that she was formerly incarcerated and through my friendship with her and just talking about her experience it just really inspired me to be doing this work and she said oh my gosh this drama work this this like improv stuff they would love that and so i would you know i would talk with her about it and um and it was just really really inspiring to actually say you know i, I haven't had anyone in my family um be I mean, I've certainly, there have been folks who have been maybe arrested, but um, in terms of going to prison. So I think that's, again, part of my privilege. And so to be able to sort of know somebody and to connect with them, I think that inspired me to first start some of these projects. Can you share an example of a success story that changed people's lives? Two of the, um, so I, I, you know, I do a series of different classes. And the, the two that really are sticking out is, um, uh, there was a play that we created called Count Time, Count Time. And this was almost 20 years ago, so it's hard to believe. Uh, and it was an ethnographic theater piece. 
And I was working with a woman named Lorraine Barr, who was the director, and she uh, is a adjunct faculty at Portland State University, a local actress director. And so we collaborated with women who had been released from prison. And there were uh, five women who we interviewed over the course of a year. And we would meet with them, and then we had actors come in, and the actors and the women would meet together, and we would do these workshops together, and they would meet for coffee together. And that's how the scripts developed. And so it was a long, long process, and we really learned a lot from that. And I think, you know, it's hard to always tell, but I, I know that, you know, the audiences really appreciated the story. And, you know, there would be these sort of talkbacks, and then just the connection between the women uh, who were incarcerated and this relationship with the actors. And I, I, I hopefully we did our best to, to make sure we were telling the stories and being respectful and really honoring their voice in it. And so that was just a fantastic experience. And, um, and, uh, and, and another would be, I did a woman in comedy class uh, for uh, in a, in a you know, female uh, uh, prison. Uh, and it was fantastic because they, we did a series on sketch comedy, improv, stand-up comedy. So they would bring their own stuff and like, what about this comedian? Well, what about that? I want to write this. No, I want to do that. And so for this series of you know several weeks, they were their own researchers, they were their own writers, they were their own directors. You know, I would leave and and come back and go, oh, we wrote this thing. What do you think? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic! Like, how did she? You know, and they would be these great scripts. And then we sort of and then they helped me put it together. And then they ended up performing and invite. They got to invite um, two or three, uh, other inmates that so they wanted to come see the performance. So that's how we had it at that point, but to be able to have it culminate into this performance for them. And, you know, at the end people, they were hugging and crying and just saying, uh, oh, just, this was so great to be able to laugh, to be able to use our own stories, to be able to make this thing. I'm always going to remember it. And I remember hearing that I'm always going to remember this. And that's, that's what fills my heart is, helping facilitate that kind of a creative dialogue where they're able to really just showcase who they are and what their lives were like and how they got to where they are and, and who they want to be, um, the vision for their own future. What is your ideal for working with the incarcerated? Really, I think there should be a, a drama therapist just hired on site. <laughs> like, and I think they should be compensated, right? I think a lot of times people volunteer in these settings and it's like, well, we'll take a volunteer to come in and that might have changed, but um, ultimately that our work is supported and that we're in more institutions and we're able to take that into the community to share with policymakers to, or with the public um, to say, this is the work that's going on. Um, so I think ideally it would be, you know, educating others on the importance of creative arts and how it can be so useful in terms of, um, you know, giving people creative outlets and direction. And it's not about, there's a misconception that it's about entertaining. Oh, you're here to do that drama thing. You're gonna do a little play, right? And it's like this minima, minimization. It's like, no, I'm actually a mental health therapist. And we're doing therapy and yeah, we play and we, we do script work and we do all these things, but they're transforming. And so it's helping educate others, staff, um, administrators, all those people in terms of the importance of the work. And so I think ultimately it would be an environment where that's seen and respected. Where would you like to see drama therapists working with the incarcerated five years from now? 
would love to see more drama therapists sit in more facilities, uh, juvenile justice centers, um, uh, you know, minimum, medium security. I mean, I, I just coming into more settings and demonstrating the power of this. Um, because again, it can come in lots of different forms and each drama therapist who comes in is going to have a unique way of working or co-facilitators, right? There's a lot of benefit of two people coming in to help so they can check each other's work and make sure that um, that things are, are going well, um, that the interventions are going well. And also, or even bringing in another art therapist, right? Sometimes those kind of collaborations or having expressive arts therapists. So drama therapy specifically has a lot of benefit. And I do think that having someone who's got a creative based modality within that setting is, is ideal because you can sit in a room. I mean, we know this and you can talk, right? But to be able to actually externalize, okay, what are you feeling right now? I'm feeling like I don't want to be here. Like I don't want to be here. Okay. So what is, I don't want to be here look like. And then what else are you feeling? Well, there might be a little hope there. Okay. What's a little hope look like. So instead of saying it, they have two people who can be, I don't want to be here and here's a little hope next to each other. And then say, okay, what else is, what else? What else is in there? Screw off, fuck off is in there, right? Okay, that's in there too. What else is in there, right? And so you can, you're externalizing the internal world and it's so powerful. And the more that we can get people to be doing this work, the more beneficial and, and powerful that it is. How do you see this work influencing policies beyond prison? or for post-prison experiences? My experience of doing the ethnographic theater piece, working with women who were formerly incarcerated, that experience, you know, doing the drama therapy work even after they had been, you know, after they had been released, I mean, it helps them have a venue and have a voice. Uh, so there's, so that, so that kind of work can happen um, even afterwards. But when I think about systemically, there's just so much that we can be advocates for in terms of disparities, in terms of uh, sentencing, in terms of um, looking at being an advocate and looking at what brings people in in the first place in terms of advocating in terms of poverty, talking about trauma and the effect of trauma, what's, what's, what's ultimately bringing people in and how are we actually healing and restoring and working to really look at the whole person versus you know a number or something that we have to check off a list in terms of oh we, they did rec therapy yesterday they don't have to do that so i think we're the voices we can be the voices to go out and to talk to you know on a state level and national level and to work for like the what you know the western prison project i know is a great one um an advocacy group or the sentencing projects there's lots of different groups that you can be involved in um, as you're doing this work to help in a, in a you know, more systemic way. Why should prisons have drama therapists working? We should have drama therapists in prisons because we, again, are mental health professionals and everybody needs therapy, especially in these settings. And I'm not just talking, talking the, the guards too, right? I mean, that's, that's different, but when the guards see the work and they go, wait a minute, that person who wasn't talking yesterday and that person, when they weren't talking, for months and now they're actually like doing a mirror exercise together like what's happening so that wouldn't really be able to happen if you go into a room with a solo therapist you don't really see the work but being in a group where you get to see collaboration you get to see someone's perspective and point of view 
and, and ultimately their creativity, their soul. Uh, and that's the power of a drama therapist is that we can take old stories and make them new again. We can learn somebody's stories and what brought them here and what their dreams and visions are for the future. We can, uh, we can laugh and be playful. And there's a lot of benefit in that. And there's also the other side of just really talking about the pain and the struggle. So yes, there's laughter and there's joy, but drama therapists also are okay holding both joy and pain in the same space and making room for that. And the more you can make room for those things, the more people can be seen and heard and be in their authentic, be in their authentic sort of self. And that's why we're there. And that's why we should be in more places. You have been listening to the Drama Therapy Collection podcast, part of a series on drama therapy in prisons. You can listen to a new episode every Thursday on all major podcast platforms, or you can watch the video recordings of all interviews on the Drama Therapy Collection YouTube channel.